This is Within and Between, a podcast about the methods and meta-science behind developmental science. Hi, it's Jessica Logan. And it's Sarah Hart. And we're Within and Between. Welcome. Hi. To another episode. Episode and hi, seven. Sarah. Hi, I guess. Episode seven. I can't believe it's already been seven episodes. I know. Every minute with you is just delightful. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. I mean, we get to chat with our, you know, a friend. I know. It's really lovely. We put it out there and people listen to us. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. It's been really fun to engage with people and talk with people online and stuff. It's been awesome. It has been. And you know, just a few days ago, we reached a thousand total listeners for our episodes. So that's really exciting. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, It certainly uh, was about our goal, really, when we talked about this back and forth, sort of like, do you think we could ever get to a thousand listens? I know. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. It is awesome. I like it. (laughs) Me too. Well, speaking of texting back and forth, one of the things that I was texting with you about is I know you're thick in the middle of grant reviews right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So uh, how's that going? It's good. You know, Um, I, uh, this is an ad hoc committee uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, for NIH and I, uh, I'm not on a standing panel, so I'm not a standing panel member. And so when I came up, uh, when I was asked to be on this panel, you know, I know grant reviewing is just so important and I really Mm. do like it that even though it's like COVID summertime and I'm just like buried and there's so many tasks (laughs) and struggling with motivation at the same time. Yeah. It's like, I can't turn down this opportunity. Um, mm. You know, I just learned so much from grant reviewing. So here I am reviewing grants in the middle of <laughs> summer, COVID summer. <laughs> so do you do you need ice cream to review grants the same way you need ice cream to write grants? I don't, no. Huh. Although just I all should. new information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just let your family know your need of ice cream. Yeah. Time. Just constant ice cream. Um, I do have four different flavors in my freezer right now, so it tells you where we are. Oh my gosh, seriously? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is very hot outside. It is very hot. What am I supposed It's. I mean, it's July in Florida. Like, there's nothing else I can do. Ugh. It's literally the only choice is to have... I actually seriously considered a, a new flavor the last time I yeah. got a grocery <laughs> order. Because <laughs> I'm like, four isn't enough. <laughs> I need one more. Yeah. Bring it on. I remember living in Florida and being like, you you just don't see your neighbors for all of like June, July, August. Yeah, it's just so warm. Everybody stays inside. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Hide in the AC. Yeah, that's. I Ooh. call it our. This is our winter, right? Yeah. The equivalent of when, when it's snowy at places, people stay inside, and when it's an oven outside, you stay inside here. <laughs> an oven. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so yeah, I you know I. I like grant reviewing. I like it more than paper reviewing, to tell you the truth. Mm. Um, And so it's not easy. uh, And, you know, it can be another, the, the, the weight of it can feel stressful. Mm. Uh, But I do like it. I do, again, I think it's the same reason why I like writing grants, too. I like 
the style of writing that tends to be in grants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like reading it. Uh, I like seeing a really good grant is, you know, kind of can be a thing of beauty. And <laughs> I so, totally agree with you on that yeah. one. It's just when you read those really, really good ones, it makes you just cheer. Yeah, you're right. And it can be exciting to think about what the science is going to come out in your field probably in the next few years. Yeah. You know, like what the ideas people have in your field. It's just, I like it. So, so although, yes, it's more work than normal, mm-hmm. right? It's adding a very significant task on top of your already, you know, full schedule. I do like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I like it too. I'm not reviewing right now. I, um, I guess to slide right into our very first section of this is I wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about our positionality on this. Like where, mm-hmm. where are we coming from? Who are we trying to talk to? Um, and so as we were talking about this episode, I think we discussed wanting to provide information both for people who are, who have grants under review, maybe for the first time or are relatively new to having grants under review so that you can get familiar with what a reviewer is thinking as they're looking through your paper or sort of how that process works. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also a little bit for people who are relatively new to grant review panels, if you've just gotten onto a panel or um, are just getting onto a different kind of panel that we can sort of talk about what our processes, 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 whatever, are like. (laughs) I'm going to pick that one up from you, I think. (laughs) it's a much better way to pronounce the word (laughs) it's certainly easier to understand Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, towards those two audiences Mm -hmm. and so to sort of build off of what you were saying you're reviewing right now is it for NIH yeah it's for NIH so kind of talking a little bit about my experience yeah I've reviewed for NIH again never as a standing panel member but Mm -hmm. ad hoc full committee member um, a few times for research grants at NIH, and also once for the f- a fellowship training panel. Um, oh. So I reviewed the fellowship proposals at NIH. Um, I've also done uh, NSF before uh, uh-huh. uh, for um, one of their trainee-type mechanisms as well as a, as a panel, a regular research grant panel. Uh, And I have done uh, some just truly ad hoc reviewing. So like reviewing just one grant by mail um, for IES and then for kind Mm. of various international organizations that you sometimes hear from. Oh, cool. You know, so that's not fun. I like you literal mail. They mail you a grant. (laughs) No, I don't know why they still call it mail review, though. (laughs) But through email, (laughs) I was like. Are there stamps involved? Yeah, the idea with those ones is you don't actually talk at panel. So we're going to talk yeah. a little bit about the differences between like the two stages of grant reviewing. So what the mail review, uh, yeah, you're just, you provide a written critique, a written review, but you don't then follow it up with kind of the oral argument or, or phone in to the panel. Mm-hmm. So I have done one of those phone in reviews for the NSF. Okay. Um, I've never done a panel for NSF or NIH, um, so I haven't reviewed grants for either of them uh, and on like any sort of uh, more formal basis than just one in the mail. Well, not mail. One in the email. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've been on an, in, an IES panel for two years now, um, and I really love that also. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> For the same so reasons, the same reasons as I do. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool to see the directions that people are going 
Mm-hmm. And it's really neat to be able to sort of see, you get the very, very cutting edge of research, right? Because you get to look at like just the baby ideas before they've really been tested. And that's so cool to sort of see what people are thinking. And what I really love about being on a panel is I get like, we review a lot of grants. It's like 30 or something. It's a lot through 30, 40 in the panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see similarities across grants. So you could sort of see directions that people are, the, that the field is going in as a whole even. So there's these really cool patterns, not just of like really innovative and interesting things that are happening in one grant, which is always exciting and fun. But there's also cool things to see when you're you know, looking across grants to see yeah. what what's all happening in the, like what questions and are people interested in answering now? Um, and the panel that I'm on at IES is an early learning panel. So I serve on that panel as a methodologist. So I read grants from a methodological perspective. Okay. In early learning. So those are our basic experiences. And then we talked a little bit on our last episode about grants that we have put in. So we have had grants scored. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I have read many a summary statement. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's next talk about uh, what you alluded to there, how it works. So it's two stages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you describe that a little bit? Yeah, so mostly if you're like a normal committee member, panel member, then uh, you first get the, we'll we'll use old-fashioned terms, the paper grants. You you get the documents of each grant document, and you get the full kind of, you know, the full thing. You know, it can be hundreds of pages long for each application. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get that uh, and you are supposed to, in a certain amount of time, review those grants. Uh, and, and the review being um, a written, you'd re- provide a written review, usually put it into some online system. And mm-hmm. then the second stage is uh, typically meeting in person in the time of COVID now over uh, Zoom. <laughs> Skype or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and actually, I have sat on a tip a panel that does that typically anyway, either even before Zoom. But yeah, so then you meet as a group with all the other reviewers and then discuss um, typically like the top a top proportion. It's not usually all of the grants are discussed. Mm. Uh, kind of the top scoring grants get discussed in person, uh, and then you kind of come to an agreement across the reviewers about what scores you're gonna um, give each of those grants. All right, so let's start with the first stage. Yeah. So you are a grant reviewer. You have been put on a panel. Somebody sends you not a packet anymore. I imagine it used to be a big packet, mm-hmm. a yeah. stack full of grants. And even when I started, envelope. that was an option. You could ask for it to be mailed to you. Wow. I think printing it out would be kind of nice. It would be easier to read them. I still do have to print them out. Yeah. <laughs> I just do it myself now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Teresa. So some of them I print out. Some of them yeah. I don't. How many, if you're on a panel for the NIH or the NSF, how many grants are you reviewing in that period of time? About? Yeah, usually about like six to nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, they kind of, they, well, you're not the primary reviewer or reviewer number one for all of them as well. So uh, for both of those agencies, you kind of have a graduated um, reviewing. uh, Oh, 
like level numbering. Yeah. So, you know, for NIH reviewer one and two provide more in-depth reviews than reviewer three needs to. Uh, So all reviewer one, two, and three all review the grant fully, but just kind of the total output as a reviewer changes a little bit depending on your number. So your, your, whatever stack of grants that you get, um, you get a reviewer number for each one of them. So that kind of changes the workload too in your stack. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So like uh, IES is not oh, like okay. that as much. So I'll get eight-ish, around eight grants to review. And you're not assigned a number. So you review all eight and give each one a score. So you score it in sections. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll score uh, the personnel, for example. You'll score the the research idea. So you score... Um, five or six different sections of it on a scale of one to seven. And then you, it's very confusing. So you, you read, you provide reviews in each one of those sections, um, but you are required to read them all as, as deeply as the others. Yeah. So you're not assigned a primary, secondary, or tertiary review at that stage. You just read them all. Yeah. Now I will say it, for NSF and NIH, you should read them all the full amount as well. Um, it's just really what the written feedback that you have to give is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do, NIH does ask you if you're a reviewer three to give full written feedback, but you just, it's just not necessary. Okay. Uh, and then what it does is it dictate, oh, well, part two, when you're at panel, it also dictates who speaks first about mm. a grant. So reviewer one would speak first, reviewer two would speak second, and reviewer three would speak third. Um and then only adding, I know I'm getting ahead of us, I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, only adding information that had not been said by a previous reviewer. That makes, does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever gotten a bunch of academics together in a room <laughs> and given them the mic? Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question, although it's more of a comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um it is uh yeah yeah varying varying degrees of how much people talk and restate what somebody else has already stated despite the very explicit instructions not to do that oh yeah that's rough yeah so with with um ies what we'll do is everybody reviews the grants and provides scores and then the um program officers so the it goes back to the powers that be mm-hmm. who then tell you how many of them are going to be discussed at panel so depending on how high these things are scored they're either brought to the panel and everybody talks about it or it's, it's not discussed at the panel and those will um well we'll come back to that in a second so then at that point they'll send out information about the panel that you'll be serving on and okay. saying here are the 30 grants we're going to discuss at panel if one that you love and think is amazing didn't make it to panel and you really want it to be there you can do like i throw up a flag there's some there's some sort of great like fun word that i can't think of right now okay like rescue it back from the deep yeah you can say no no we need to talk about this one Mm -hmm. so you have that option um and then at that point is when you're assigned a primary reviewer role. Um, so one person is assigned to be the first person who provides a summary of the grant and sort and a summary of their review okay. for the rest of the panel. Um, and then, so then once you've done that, so after I've read my nine, um, 
and then it goes away and then I get back. Here's the list of every grant we're going to read, all 30 or something of them over the course of this two-day panel period. I then read all the rest of the grants. So, yeah. So the goal is to have a structured discussion about all of the grants there. So oh. everyone contributes to the discussion about every grant. Wow. That is a lot bigger of a workload than the other agencies where you can access the other grants, but it's not necess- It's not typical that you have read in full detail all the other grants. That's true. I'm not sure it's typical to read them all in full detail either. Um, I, it's not explicit that you read them all in full detail, but it is explicit that you're supposed to be familiar with all of them. Okay. So that everybody can contribute to the discussion. So um, that's what ends up happening in that sort of pre-stage. Okay. So if you get your packet of grants, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know you have to do them all by a certain day july 20th for example i think it's the 21st thank you (laughs) good guess (laughs) yes if if that's happening do you spread them out do you read them all back to back do you do it during your normal work hours how do you structure that i um yes (laughs) <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> so Tuck them into nooks and crannies of your day. Yeah. You know, just like reviewing papers, uh, I pick times that are not prime writing times for myself. So that typically mm. is like afternoon. Uh, and so I slot in slots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, where I, uh, what I do is I do kind of two rounds for every grant. So I'll read oh. through them all first. Uh, and maybe make just occasional comments of something that comes to me as I'm reading it, but really just kind of like a sitting back and and enjoying the reading process first. So, Mm -hmm. so I get a chance before I start making any kind of critical comments or thoughts to have read from start to finish the grant so that I know sometimes information that you expect in one place doesn't come till later. Mm. And so, um, so I know kind of the, what the full idea is. So I do that. I read all of them first. And then typically, and I can do multiple of that in a day, but I can't do the more critical second read, usually more than one per day, mm-hmm. just to be kind to myself. Uh, so, uh, well, then, and I think kind to the, to the grant. grants. Yeah. To the yeah. grant writer, to the investigators. So yeah. So then I slot days where I'm going to do the more in-depth reading and that will include, um, Oftentimes, if, if there's like a key paper or two that I might have to read that's cited in the work, um, I've kind of noted that or circled it in my first read. So I'll, I'll read those and then I'll read the grant in more detail. Oh, cool. And while I'm reading the grant in more detail, I'm making notes on the margins uh, and also have the kind of the reviewing document open uh, mm-hmm. and making notes there. Oh, interesting. So I actually do the opposite, which uh. is... I, as I'm reading, I'm making notes the first time. Okay. And I, so I make my notes the first time through and I'll do one of those in a day. I'll, I'll sometimes do, and then I'll go back and read it again that day. So I, I guess I do the opposite, which is I make most of my notes the first time through and then I read it again to make sure that my notes have captured everything that I, that I have taken away sort of impressions wise. Okay of the grant um so i guess yeah yeah similar but 
the opposite. Yeah, in general, two reads. One is a more intensive read with with notes, and the other is just uh, kind of a, a faster read. Mm-hmm. Um, what I also do before I actually before I start reading all of them for the first time is I re um, re look again at the guidance of what I'm supposed to be doing as a reviewer. Uh, so that's usually always kind of a first step. Re look at the you know sometimes they give it to you in like a PowerPoint slide. Uh, mm. you know, here are things, sometimes it's documents of what, um, what the different mechanisms are and, uh, what, uh, is expected as me as a reviewer. What, what are the key pieces according to the agency I'm supposed to be paying attention to, uh, and what, what each section means, you know, where I'm giving scores, what the scores mean. So, mm-hmm. you know, they all kind of anchor the scores on scales typically, uh, and so get that in my head as well before right. I, yeah. Like is a one high or is a one low? Yeah. And I'll example. do that. I, <laughs> this time around, I'll say I read the grants first and then I did that. I did a quick, you know, I spent like an hour re going through all of the documentation of like, what are the different grant mechanisms? What are the grant, the reviewer instructions? And then got into each grant kind of individually and got into it. That's a really good point. I and we probably should have started there because that's that's true. The other thing I also do is read the RFA again. Yeah. Which for for IES takes a little while, but Yeah, those are long. They're long. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So for like NIH right now I'm doing regular R mechanisms and so there's nothing unusual, so I know those mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um but uh for other like, you know, um if I'm ever reviewing for a mechanism I've never submitted to before or don't know what it is, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, I get really and make sure I really understand the RFA and what the agency was requesting with their RFA. Mm-hmm. That really helps to to focus the review, I think. Um, to, like to, when I'm looking for things to make sure that I'm uh, fitting exactly what they're looking for. Those are the kinds of things that I try to provide as much feedback about as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Thinking about you know drilling down that more specifically when you're writing criticisms um, for grants, you know I I always try to focus my criticisms on things like fit to the agency and the aims of the project, but also not not fit like this is not a goal to grant, but fit as in you know they're expecting to see this 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 and this and you haven't provided this third stage of evidence that they're looking for mm-hmm. something like that um and then also i try to provide information that will strengthen the grant if it came back again and i do that even for grants that aren't that i i think i'm going to recommend for funding cuz you just never know what the conversation's going to be like in the room you never know no we don't <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think the NIH has a pretty explicit policy that this is that not to give what you think it should be. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of different than like a paper review a little bit, right? Where in a paper review, to be a good reviewer, typically you're more explicit as to exactly what you are expecting to see the next time mm. um, versus uh, a grant, not necessarily. Now, I will take that back as like if there are like design issues or methods yeah. issues and like like this is like mm-hmm. I don't know this is just statistics <laughs> it's not yeah. my it's not my opinion you just actually are doing this stati- proposing the statistics wrong <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a really good point yeah. and comes back to our positionality because right yeah. I'm reading these as a methodologist yeah. and reading them from the point of view of like you know if I I 
don't know that I can, I can't give this as strong a score as I would like to, or as strong a score as you may have wanted, because I don't see enough information in the power analysis mm-hmm. for the, for this to be more important. I'll need to see, uh, you, know, you need to justify this and this and this, something mm-hmm. like that. So that, that's what I mean by trying to make it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I think from your position and you're right. Those typically are the, I end up on many grant panels because I'm not, I, yes, as a methodologist on other grant panels, I end up being kind of the, the person that's thinking about methods yeah. uh, and statistics. And so that's where I tend to be giving advice as well or talking through those issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. So what else do you do when you're reviewing paper applications? For paper applications? You know, the other thing that I like to do for a paper application is I have them read aloud. I read them oh. aloud. Um, so I have a text-to-speech, you know, thing, yeah, tool. And I'll use that to read the grants aloud to myself to make sure that I haven't skimmed over or skipped something, um, some argument. Because I don't want to have said, you didn't justify your sample size when they're on page 12 is like, we're including 100 children because there are only 100 children in this entire state. Whatever. <laughs> so- <laughs> I don't want to have missed something like that. And I, I find that listening to them helps me uh, not uh, miss stay anything. focused and not miss anything. Mm-hmm, exactly. It does feel, you know, because it's so much to submit a grant and people's mm-hmm. like, sometimes people's livelihoods or labs or tenure can be reliant on what you're reviewing. So it does feel just so high um, stakes as a Absolutely. grant reviewer. And so you're right. I really try hard not to make mistakes as well. Like well, that. and I think about it, you know, this, this comes up a lot in panel too. So maybe this could be our initial transition, but yeah. you know, the, the goal of reviewing a grant is to give out the money, right? That's the point. The point isn't to be a gatekeeper. The point is to decide the direction of science and decide whose ideas are good enough to warrant handing the money out. The money's going to somebody. Yeah. And so if you think that the idea is interesting and good and the methods are good enough, then, you know, that's, that's your job. Handing the money out. It's not, it's hard to stand a grant, right? It's really hard when you're in a panel. So let's, I had this happen to me at this last panel is I had this grant that I just love, love, loved up one side and down the other. I think I wrote like six words of review. Like, this is great. That's like all I wrote. It was so <laughs> great. I loved everything about it. I think, and, uh. We got to panel and I was like, I have, they, at, at, sorry, at IES, when you go into the panel scores, the first thing that happens is they pull up a grant and they say, here are the three people who reviewed the grant or the four people who reviewed the grant. And they put up on a board, here are the scores that these people posted across the board. Mm-hmm. So you see what your score was and you see what everybody else's score was all next to each other. Mm-hmm. And so mine go up and they're like, perfect. And the other people are sort of like, not perfect. And so usually when something like that happens, the people in the room go, what happened there? You know, there's some sort of (laughs) audible gasp in the room where we're like, this is about to be interesting. (laughs) But it's hard, you know, especially if it's your first time reviewing grants and the first time on a grant panel, that's a really scary feeling because it's really easy to think, what did I miss? I don't want to be the idiot that's like, oh, they didn't have a power analysis and I forgot. And that's so it's it's human nature, I think, to protect yourself in that situation where I think what we need to be rooting for is advocating, not advocating exactly, but uh, 
not stand. I don't know. What do we, what do we call that? It's like support and talk about all the things you like about a particular grant when you like it. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to like it. Yes. Don't be afraid to like, to be a cheerleader for the grant, I guess. Cheerleader. That's a much better word. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah. So you kind of shifted into talking about what happens at panel. How do you prepare for panel? Oh, how do I prepare for panel? So like I said, at IES, they, they, what they do is they say, here are the 30 or so grants you're going to talk review. Um, you're going to talk about, um, and then they assign you one or two to be the first reader for the first one who explains what the grant is about Mm -hmm. and provide a summary. And so if that's the case, then I will prepare my summary in advance for those ones. Um, so I'm, I go back through, I read it again, I read the, um, read my reviews, and then I make a little blurb about what the grant sort of, what the primary aims of the grant were and what it was trying to do, and a little bit about the method. Um, and then, so I have that that I'm prepared for. For IES, sorry, yeah. for IES, do they allow you to read the other people's reviews before going to panel? They do. Yeah, okay. They do. And they actually explicitly say, um, please don't. Like when you're providing that, you can give an overview of your review, but don't read your review, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So they want they want you discussing what you had, what you found, but not actually reading it. Yeah, they want panel to be moving fast because they there are a lot of applications and not a lot of time that everybody is um, fully awake for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get tired after a while. Yeah. That's yeah, so they're, try- they're trying to move it fast for each each application. I know for NIH, I think they try to get it fully done in like 10 or 15 minutes per application. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I think what does tend to happen, it seems like, is that the longer things are discussed, the more flaws start to come up, which is the same with anything that you do or know for a long period of time. Think about an apartment you lived in once. And then like right before you moved out, all you could see was the ugly peeling wallpaper. And all you could see was the cracked window frame and the fact that that door won't quite shut. Like that's all, once you've been around something long enough, that's what you start to notice. And so uh, I think that is another reason why they try to move it really quickly is because we we are by nature, we're trained to be critical. Mm -hmm. And so the longer we sit with something, the more critical we get of it. Um, and so also, I've I've noticed then the longer people just start repeating themselves. So. Oh, God. <laughs> lose, lose. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want that. So how do you prepare for panel? Yeah, I was thinking this. I'm about the same as you, Jess, I think. I relook at the applications that I was a reviewer for. Mm-hmm. I probably won't read them in depth fully again, but I read the, all the other reviewers and I um, do at least a pretty good kind of targeted read, like reading the sections that I think are so important for my thinking, um, especially based on the other reviewers. If now if a re- another reviewer points out something that I had completely missed, positive or negative, then I actually co- concentrate on that section as well and take a look mm. to see um, what I missed, uh, if I agree with that reviewer or not, and kind of come prepared for that likely to be a place of discussion. And then I also get my notes ready the same way. Oh, okay. I see. So meaning like preparing to give the discussion, lead a discussion on it? Yeah, if I'm reviewer one or like the primary reviewer, then yeah, I make, I write notes as to what I'm going to say. Now you're not in charge, right, of of moving the discussion along. You're just in charge of like providing a summary. There is a person who's in charge of everyone. 
At yes. The panel, right? So uh, at NIH, there is a chair who is another like person on the panel who's in mm-hmm. charge, but NSF is the program officers in the room that's in charge. Um, the NIH also has uh, someone called the SRA uh, um, or SR, SRO, sorry, uh, and they um, are the NIH's staff person who's been in charge of the whole review process that also can talk about um, if there's a question about whether this is something that's a discussion topic, because some things you actually just can't even discuss, some things are not score-driving discussions, um, so some parts just can't, are, can't the score can't matter based on that discussion, and then that's when the gotcha. NIH's representative or the program officer, NSF, will kind of speak up and be like, we got to move it on, this is not a key component, or you're not allowed to talk about that, or those types of things. That's so interesting. Oh my god, I just feel like all I do is say, but at IES... But at IES, <laughs> but seriously, what? Well, so the the program officers at, at IES are not allowed to speak in the room. Oh, and, they have and to I, be silent observers. Okay. NIH is like that too. Silent observers as okay. program officers, but there is still somebody who is the NIH's person, the SRO, um, who's there to do that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So we have the same thing. So somebody's like moving people along the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, this year was the first year we had a another um what do you call it another job for reviewers so we've always they've always been like four actual reviewers so one's a lead and then three additional people who have read it very closely everyone else in the room should have at least skimmed the grant has read some of it has read the reviews and sort of knows what's going on and then the last one was the was a a reader and their explicit job was to read everybody's reviews and to read the grant closely and make sure that there was nothing else that was like left out. Oh, so it's like, so it's like a fifth reviewer. Yeah. Like an one additional person. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was, it ended up working out pretty well. Cause you sort of, as, as that person, when I'm in that role, it's a, it's a grant that wasn't in my portfolio originally. So then with those, um, I've actually, I did it both ways. One time I read the reviews first and then I read the grant. And then another time I read the grant first and read the reviews. So I think you could do either one. But the idea is to make sure that the comments are appropriate um, and that the criticisms are, are warranted that are there and that they haven't missed some important strengths. So hmm. that's another new role they're always playing around with them i think yeah i would say i think that the grant reviewing responsibilities for ies are probably much greater than the other agencies there's you have a lot more to do which is why you get paid the big grant reviewing bucks (laughs) (laughs) no snacks allowed no food (laughs) big grant bucks that's funny so i'll talk a little bit maybe about what it's like on panel like what the what like how it's happening, you know, so NIH recently, um, and I think this was a fabulous move as a psychologist, we know that this is probably really important. They used to review the grants in score order. So like the scores of the reviewers kind of set the order of discussion with the highest rated grant being discussed first. Wow. Well, we know what happens to people over a day. Um, You get tired and it really Mm -hmm. would kind of come down to like, where is your grant being discussed in the day? And they were finding that that that, that was correlated with grant outcome. Uh, And so uh, they decided to randomize the grants now. So what happens is you get, you know, you go to a panel and they give you the list of the grants to be discussed to the top, you know, 40% or 50% or 60% of the grants. 
and they're randomized into speaking order. So you see the order. And so you're like, okay, first grant up, first reviewer gives the, the a review, like you said, like a brief, a, a two to three minute review of the grant. Um, and then gives their kind of their overall, their score driving um, review. Criticism. So, yeah. yeah. So like positive a, and negative. Strengths, yeah, yeah. Overview and then their score driving strengths and weaknesses. Okay. Gotcha. And Ooh, I love that score driving strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think that's just totally just ripped off from NIH language. So don't think I that know. I came up with that. <laughs> Come on, uh, take the win. <laughs> and so uh, then um, the reviewer two comes in and gives any additional strengths or weaknesses they saw that were not spoken up by the first reviewer. And then reviewer three gets the chance. Um, while that's happening, the rest of the panel, so there's probably, like, for a full panel, there's maybe, like, 15 or 20 people in the panel. Yeah, same. Okay, the rest of the panel is listening, uh, and usually at this time might be one of the first times they're actually looking at the grant. if they uh, And so they're usually for, if it's, like, NIH, they're looking at the specific games page, kind of the one pager we talked about when you're writing a grant. Oh, and yeah. this is why that, that can be a very important page, right, is sometimes this is the only thing the reviewers are reading. Yeah. And so they're reading that, they're listening to the discussion, uh, and then the floor is open up, uh, opened up to everybody to ask questions of the reviewers. And what they're trying to, what I have found the other reviewers on the panel are doing, especially reviewers with a lot of um, experience, is they're like, I heard you give this review, this, you know, and you were really heavy in criticisms, yet you gave this score. And this score mm. seems to be too good of a score for everything that you just said negatively about this grant. Sure. So, you know, and so they're kind of trying to calibrate the reviewers, the first three reviewers into the scores that they had already given mm -hmm. and to ask any additional questions, clarifying questions, if they have any, um, if there's like another content expert on the panel that might have some questions that wasn't a, a reviewer. So then that discussion happens uh, and then the reviewers are allowed to change their scores uh, if their initial scores have changed and then the three reviewer scores set the range. And so mm. the top score and the worst score of the three first three reviewers then set that range. And then everybody on panel gets to vote within that range. Oh, okay. If you decide to not vote within range. You have to raise your hand and give a, an explanation. You're required to. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you vote within that range. And so then everybody gives a numeric overall score vote, everybody on the panel, and then that's averaged in your, that's your total score for the grant. Do you like enter that into some sort of online system or are yes. you, is everybody like, I scored a three? No, it used to be like that. It used to be on paper. Um, and there still uh -huh. is paper as a backup, but yeah, now it's all through an online system. Yeah, same online systems. And uh, so it's very, very similar at IES. Um, this year, I advocated for one of the things that I kept noticing is that sometimes you'd be assigned a grant to be the summary person for so you would stand up and you, you would give the first overview of what the grant is trying to do. Mm -hmm. And the person who would be assigned that would be the person who scored it really, really low. And so then sometimes that would feel like not as not as much fun like they they don't they aren't as excited about it whereas if you if you've scored it really high you might be have a more better time you know explaining what they did and why anyway just all kinds of weird little subtle things can sort of creep into those uh summaries that you're trying to that you're trying to do and can sort of set the tone for the discussion that you're going to have afterwards yeah so i'm a very positive person <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed that about me but i try really hard to 
really forefront all of the really cool things and exciting things about a grant when I'm discussing it. Like this has got, these are the really cool things that it's trying to do, or these are the really exciting methods that it's trying to use. And so I try to build it up by starting with those interesting and exciting pieces. You just brought up a really great point that can be so frustrating as a grant writer, uh, but it really depends, especially who your first reviewer is, who the first person to speak to your grant, right? Again, we understand psychology, right? If somebody approaches it from a negative perspective, it can set the tone for the discussion, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're positive about it. Uh, so, you know, and, or if your first reviewer who loves your grant, um, it's not a great public speaker or not compelling, you know, that can also, it can down sway your votes uh, that your grant receives. It seems, it seems like it. We, I don't, we don't have any evidence of that, right? We're no. just yeah. anecdotally. Anecdotal. Uh, yeah. It's just total anecdotal evidence. It's total anecdotal evidence. And I think an important thing for us to bring up here is that one of the reasons that I think it's important to acknowledge this is to say that. Sometimes you don't get lucky and you just get a bad review and it doesn't mean your grant is terrible. No. Does that make sense? Like I think it that it, there's so much we one of the things we do know from a meta science perspective is that uh we're really good scientists are really good at separating the wheat from the chaff basically. We can say this part of it these grants are really good, these grants are not really good. But then the iterator reliability on actually scoring grants really consistently at the high end is pretty crappy yeah well they say the research has said something like we're really good to like the 20th percentile right we can get Mm -hmm. to their 20 or 25th percentile and then it's more difficult to differentiate at that high end um Mm -hmm. now i will say i I, you know i am reflecting upon my comment about the you know the subtleties of how good of a public speaker the first reviewer is uh and i will say consistently one of the things that i love most about serving as a grant reviewer is uh truly i come away from this from my experience every time being an even stronger believer in the system i think some Mm. systems can change some parts of it can change uh, but like people try really hard you know grant reviewers are not necessarily the same as paper writer reviewers you know sometimes you just get those really crappy paper reviews often you know we have a whole joke yeah. about reviewer two reviewer three yeah. but it's just not that for grants people take it very seriously and do an incredible job uh, and it feels like um it you know there's checks and balances and people do check themselves and check mm-hmm. other grant reviewers and it just you know it's not as you know there is there is lots of random you know there is lots of luck but uh you know at least know that the reviewers are taking it seriously and absolutely uh, and are being very thoughtful it's very impressive i agree with you completely you know after walking away from the my very first panel i was just elated i was exhausted yeah but i was absolutely elated it just it's so cool to see how the system works and it you're exactly right everyone there even the people who I disagreed with, they are working so hard and they're all coming from an informed place and the, mm-hmm. nobody is just arguing to argue. No. Any argument that's coming is happening because of what they believe is important for where this money is going to be spent. Yeah. And it feels like it's one of the few academic spaces where you don't have people arguing for the sake of arguing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's really true. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, so I do, I do, I do in general, I, again, you know, the re like the research seems to be pretty clear that kind of having maybe some sort of lottery after the top 25 
percent is being picked out, you know, is maybe potentially a little bit more fair or whatever, you know, tweaks to the system are definitely there. There mm-hmm. are um, biases in a system um, for sure, uh, especially uh, for some some groups of, of investigators. But in general, yeah. it does while you're there feel it feels good as a reviewer. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like everybody did within the system that currently exists did their best. Yeah. Uh, I'll just briefly say my experience on NSF. I know we want to move along here, oh, but yeah. uh, how panel works is a little bit different in NSF in that not everybody gives scores, but instead as a group, you kind of agree on where um, that proposal is ranked relatively to the other proposals you've been talking about. And wow. I've seen it even as like a, like a whiteboard with like names that get moved and it's like magnetic and you're like, pick up that application and move it to a different like kind of order with the, along this continuum on the board. Wow. Um, within then also the scoring criteria. Oh, because, that's really cool. Yeah, there's there's less of a of a translation of score to score to um to funding at NSF as there is at IES and NIH, mm-hmm. and so the relative kind of rank ordering actually does come into play as well. So you could get a very high score but still be ranked below others at the same high score because mm. it's these qualitative scores, not quantitative. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so it can be diff- very different. It is different there. Uh, but still, the whole panel still kind of weighs in. Um, although the panel is typically smaller in, in NSF as well versus mm. NIH or IES. So you can have a little easier flowing discussion. Yeah, it definitely is. A more, and more people, and uh, for the most part, mostly everybody talks about every grant. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I think we haven't talked about, well, I mean, there's lots, but one of the things we haven't talked about about panel that I think is important is conflict of interest. Um, And just sort of building off of this idea that you had that the system really works is just how seriously they take conflicts of interest, which is, you know, when I'm given, I I skipped this whole step because it's before I get the packet of reviews, before I'm assigned um, grants to review, I have to go through and tell them everybody I've ever worked with, I've ever published a paper with, anybody who's at my institution, anybody who I'm friends with. Like they need to know every relationship that I have with any potential investigator. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm COI. I'm conflict, I have a conflict of interest on a grant if someone who's my friend is the PI or someone who I've published papers with is a PI. And so mm-hmm. they take that very seriously. So if I have a COI on a grant, then what they'll do is they'll say, okay, uh, Jessica has a COI on the next grant. She's going to leave. We'll come get you when you're when this one's done being discussed, and you have to sign out, and then you leave, and only after you're gone do they pull up information about the next grant to talk about it. Yeah, and, and only once this, that's clear do they bring you back. The system is normally like blocks you out, so you can't see any of the scores, you can't right. access the grant, you can't access the reviews. Yeah, right. Same thing. And it's pretty, um, it's pretty strict um, in terms of like what constitutes a COI. Mm-hmm. So even though my institution is massive and there are thousands of people who work here who I will never, ever see, ever, <laughs> I still can't ever review a grant that has anyone from The Ohio State University on it. Yeah, I was on a panel recently um, a couple of years ago where um, there was an interesting discussion at dinner time with somebody who um, is in the like mass general harvard network or whatever oh, uh-huh. that and it's also includes like a one of the children's hospitals there anyway this network is monstrous and they're all co-wide from each other and it's crazy because it's like 
tens of thousands of people who work there and so it can be difficult because it's a very that's a um it takes them out of the running from a lot of grants because the coi is so broad yeah oh wow that's interesting um well so like i guess i thought we would we thought we thought we would close out with talking about some recommendations some closing thoughts yeah um i think that really we recommend to everyone particularly as early as you can to get yourself on a grant panel if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, it is such a great experience. It's so much work, but it is extremely rewarding work. Um, and it's some of the most important work that you'll do. Yes. It just, it's so helpful in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, you might be asking why, how, I'm sorry, how can you get on a panel? Um, yes. There are different approaches. So the first time I did a grant review was for NIH uh, and that was through the early career reviewer program. So the ECR program, you can uh, look up and apply for, you just put in your CV into the system. There's certain like specific qualifications. Like you have to be, I think certain, not so many years out from PhD and things like that. Uh, and so I entered into the ECR program uh, and then got picked uh, to review. Cool. Uh, and what's nice about that program is if you do get picked, then the, the person, the SRO, the person in charge of the review from the NIH actually does a little um, extra mentorship with you uh, yeah. and does like one-on-one calling with you and goes through your reviews before they get submitted and gives some opinions and it kind of helps you out. So you get a lot of, a lot of mentorship. Um, or, you know, so uh, you can do that. And now the program is competitive. Um, there's very certain things to get into it. And then once you're into it, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get picked, but, um, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I think it's worthwhile for everybody to try, uh, if you're a junior, uh, and then also you can let program officers know that of your interest to review grants, you this know, this is a uh, twice in a row. We're saying call your program officer. Yeah. Keep and tell that, you know, if somebody who, who you, if you've ever met at a conference or mm-hmm. any connection you can have, um, you know, uh, maybe your former advisor has gotten grants through that person. That could be a connection just to put your name, you know, send your CV and put your name on the radar and say that you're willing to serve as a reviewer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the same, the other way that um, IES gets people on panels is, at the end of the review panel, the very last thing that we do at the end of the, the panel session is they ask us to fill out a survey about how our experience was. And then the very last question is, do you know anybody who would be a good member oh. of this committee? And so uh, if you know anyone who reviews for IES, <clears throat> then uh, just <laughs> send me an email, send them an email or call them up and ask them if they'll recommend you to be on the panel next time. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, you know, this experience, not only do you get to see the other side, but you also get to read a lot of grants, which you don't necessarily get to see often, right? And so you get examples so of different grants. Uh, and so you get your own, you know, experience, your own thoughts and feelings as you're reviewing a grant to see what you like about some grants, what how, mm-hmm. the, the structure of it, um, the, like the style, you know, all those types of things. You start to kind of feel like, what what is your style? What do you like? What do you think is successful? Successful. Uh, and then you get to see how other people have responded to that same style. So you see the, how the other reviewers have responded. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, you just kind of get to get to just get to read a lot of an example of a mechanism that you might you yourself you might submit. Yeah, I think uh, I like to think about this in terms of schema theory, right? We don't have you have a schema for what a paper looks like 
as a person who's read a thousand papers in your lifetime, Mm -hmm. but you don't have a schema of what a grant is supposed to look like. But I do. Now I do because I've written so many of them and I've read so many of them that I, like you're able to do, Sarah, with thinking through an introduction, you have an absolute sort of airtight schema of how to write an introduction for a BG paper. Mm-hmm. And I, I have that now for grants. I can map out a grant in my head in terms of what what that argumentation is going to look like and then what the method section is going to look like and sort of all of that part. And so once what that takes is exposure, just like we all know from good old developmental psych class. Mm-hmm. You need you need a lot of examples of one until you start to get familiar with what the basis of one really looks like. And so that is exactly why this helps helps you in your grant writing is because you get more familiar with them all and what they're supposed to look like mm-hmm. and sound like or feel like as you're working through them. It's so important. Mm-hmm. So, so go yeah. review grants. Yeah, it's it's worthwhile service. It's also, um, at least in my department, a grant reviewing service is um, thought highly of pre-tenure especially, uh, mm-hmm. but even actually going for promotion to full too. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's usually highly regarded service. So it's, it's worth your time on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then thanks for chatting. Yeah. We'll see y'all next week. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of within and between for information about this and all our episodes, you can visit our website, Within and between pod.com. Connect with us on Twitter at within underscore between, where you can send us questions about developmental science and developmental sciencing. See you next time.